We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Matthew, happy summer to you. It's starting to feel like that. It's starting to feel like that off-season grind for us now. And I'm very excited just to kind of have this this little uh this little window where it's a little bit different these days. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting that you were excited to to make content throughout the summer months that is <laughs> that's what i just said look and the, I, vi- the vibe's different the vibe's different okay um I, you know i'm good it's summertime there's fun stuff happening the other day i realized there was absolutely no sports on tv on a saturday night much none zero zero sports were on and that was a problem that's how you know you're getting into the dark times NBA playoffs are almost done. We're getting out of draft talk. This is the final draft show. Kind of probably uh, before, you know, the season starts. I don't know. I don't don't know. These are dark times for me. (laughs) It's like baseball and nothing else. I'm like, I'm lost when that happens. And there's plenty of soccer on. I love this time of year for Chiefs coverage because I get to play a little bit more. I've got a fun series that I'm going to be firing up next week or the week after, and it's going to go for a while, a while. These two are just going to kind of sit back, relax. Me, Charles, and Joseph going to be going to be running a <laughs> yeah. stack for about three weeks there. But yeah, I'm fun. I I love this time of year. We get to get experimental, get to dive into stuff. I get to do you know kind of refreshers on things that. I'm maybe a little more unfamiliar with, or, you know, it's good to brush up on stuff. So this is a fun time of year for me, for sure. I I always has the best off season content ideas. Every single year he has the best. 
I'm literally still thinking about the draft and trying to figure out what I just want to do with my life. And Craig's like, okay, I have these 18 awesome ideas to do this summer. Which one do you think is the best? I'm like, buddy, buddy. I'm still trying to figure out <laughs> how to pronounce Rico Remigio's name. Like, Remigio. I'm still, yeah, I know. Remigio. That's why I said it incorrect, Kent. It was part of the bit. Well, you can never know. You can never tell on this show. That's and the then Craig's out here offering up all these different 33 different off-season content ideas where people are actually going to get to learn and get smarter about the game, and I'm trying to pronounce UDFA's names. Like, that, it's just, you're great, Craig. I, I, Craig, I'm going to say this uh, with all certain, with all seriousness. The chief space is better when you decide to learn something over the summer because you wind up writing about it, and there's always something interesting that comes of it. And I'm very looking. I'm very much looking forward to your series. I have, uh, I have heard what you're going to be writing about, and I am very much looking forward to it. And I'm very much looking forward to the next three weeks where I don't have to write. We are way overselling this, by the way. Like, I'm going to draw part one, and people are going to be like, "That's it? No, it's pretty cool. Nah. I think it's pretty cool." Nah. Thanks everybody. That's uh, that's with us. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. It helps us grow the channel. Take a sip if you uh, if you are so inclined. Shout out our guy Grayson Jasper. Shouting out elite executive producer Jordan Foote, who is absolutely wonderful at his job. Uh, very very good behind the scenes. Very good behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is a draft kind of related show. Uh, I, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at the entire draft class. And we're going to look at their week one, or we're going to predict and we're going to project their week one, week nine, week 18 roles for this football team. Because there is sometimes logical progressions to these guys. We're not going to be predicting injury. They're going to have to beat somebody out if they're going to see the field. It's not injury related. You can add some caveats if you feel so inclined when you're talking about it. But we want to look at you know where we think this, these players will be week one, week nine, and week 18. So we'll go up and down the board here. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Felix and UDK Uzama. Uh, week one, where do you think the Chiefs' first round pick will be as it relates to the rotation, as it relates to a, a role on this team? Oh boy. Um, okay, I think he will definitely be part of the rotation, but I think he'll be a little ways down there. Um, I think you're probably looking at a guy that's going to play ten to 15 snaps and that's with a good game script very much slanted towards trying to get pass rushers on the field trying to get guys to really pin their ears back and quite honestly a time where there's the the opposing offense is going to be having a lot a lot of snaps um because here's the thing right now you got George Karloftis Charles Ominihue Mike Dana and honestly the way things are trending right now I think Frank Clark's going to be back um I just I, I think that or Ball back playing Carlos Dunlap or somebody is back. I do think that you're going to get another veteran in there. And I think it's going to be hard for Felix to carve out more than kind of like this very specific rotational pass rush role come the very start of the season. I think he'll be buried a little bit, but I do think they will try to work him in. Yeah, they're definitely going to try and work him in. I, George Karloftis, just for a reference last year, opened up with about 78% of the snaps to kick off the year. That was maybe with a little less defined rotation that Steve Spagnuolo was counting on a little bit. And like we've said before, Georgia's floor maybe to entry into the NFL was a little bit higher than Felix's is. Again, the ceiling is definitely higher with Felix. I do think that he's going to be sub-rusher 
especially early there. Just kind of pin your ears back. Get after the quarterback week one. We're in the dime. We need some speed on the field. Let's get a Minahue. Let's get Felix out there. Let's get Chris Jones out there. And then let's sort out if it's Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Tershawn Wharton. These are good problems to have in that scenario. It just absolutely elite defensive line problems to have there. But I I think game script is going to determine a lot of his snap count early. If the Chiefs are, you know, leading and they're in the dime a lot, get Felix out there. Get him refs for close games, run heavy teams that want to kind of pound the rock a little bit more. Maybe that's more of a George Karloftis game. Yeah, I think it's more like a 25 to 30% kind of range for me early on like I think and especially I think this team will be putting up a lot of points I think this team will be putting them in some favorable game strips so I think that's part of it but I don't think I don't think he's going to get thrown to the fire and have as big of a snap volume that you saw George Karloftis have his his rookie year and that's not a knock on Felix that's just I think construct roster construction wide like you think about Sky Moore last year uh he kind of just got victim of victim of a long roster of a deeper roster of players of rosterable players that can play you know it's been very top heavy at the uh, wide receiver position in the past for this team and maybe uh mccall hardman played more than a sky more did early well i think it's kind of what you're seeing now it's 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 deeper same thing i think with the edge here it's a little bit deeper roster now on the edge if especially if frank clark comes back and that could put felix and dk uzama uh, in a in a in a tough spot Okay, let's move on. We're gonna we're gonna stay. Here's what I want to do. I want to go week one as an entire group, then week nine as an entire group, and then the end of the season as an entire group. So we're gonna go to Rashi Rice in week one, Matthew. What do you see Rashi Rice's role in week one? Um, pretty. I think it'll be pretty minimum. Um, I think that you might he might get a series here and there. He might get a couple specific packages of plays where they are trying to find a way to utilize his ability as a yards after catch guy, his ability as a contested catch player. So maybe you do see some red zone stuff where he's involved. Maybe you do see a couple packages of plays or a specific series where he comes in and maybe gets three to four plays in a row. But I don't think it'll be a lot. I think you're probably looking relatively generously like the Sky Moore type of usage last year where he was just sprinkled in at very specific usages, very specific packages to start the year. I do think the one thing that Rice has going for him, though, is he offers a skill set that the other guys on the roster currently don't, right? So once you get to the red zone especially, or if you do have this need for a bigger-bodied guy, I could see him maybe getting a couple extra snaps in in situations, but I think it's going to be pretty minimal to start, and it's going to be very much the every game, every time you see him the first couple weeks, it'll be the exact same kind of formations, the exact same kind of packages of plays until you get a little bit deeper into the year. I... I'm going to go heavier with, with Rasheed Rice, and I think it's more to protect uh, Kadarius Tony from overuse early in the season. I think you can find a lot of situations and packages to put him in and just say, hey, go block your ass off, or hey, we're going to get you a bubble screen and try and get some yak, or just hey, get out of that. I got another. I know, I know. Justin Watson, I listen, Justin Watson can come in and just ruin all of what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but if Rasheed Rice has a good camp, Justin Watson's not a lock to make this roster because I do think that a lot of the stuff that they do is similar. Now, I do think the organization loves him. I do expect him to be there, but I, I can see Rice being sprinkled in a little bit more, but it it be because 
They want to use Kadarius Tony. They want to use him all year long. Brett Veach has talked multiple times about how he just needs to be healthy. Like, just prove that you can stay healthy. What they've done with guys like Jarek McKinnon in the past, just ease him in. Just ramp him up at the end of the year. You know what you got. Don't worry about it. Rasheed Rice can be the beneficiary of that early on. All right, so Sky Moore's snap count last year, 19%, 4%, 13% to start his career. So the first three games didn't break 20%. I think that's probably close to what we're going to see with Rashi Rice personally. Like, I think it'll be, you know, 10 to 15 snaps. It's, you know, there's all, again, this is another deep roster. This is another deep group. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster's not there, but guess what? Sky Moore is. And I think they will probably lean on Sky Moore a little bit more where that might be the downfall of early snaps for Rashi Rice, unless he just comes in, blows the doors off, uh, which I think we're all hoping. Juan Morris. This is going to be an interesting one because part of me thinks, and I'm, I'm, I'm let's let's go here. I'm just going to ask this question. It kind of feels like all or nothing for Wanye. It feels like if week one, he's the starter, cool, he's the starter. If he's not the starter week one, I have a hard time believing. Just let's work this scenario out for me. I have a hard time believing the Chiefs will move Jawan Taylor midseason from right tackle to left tackle, bench Donovan Smith, and insert Wanye Morris. I think there's really only a few scenarios here. It's injury, and we're not talking about injury now. If the season goes the way it's way it goes the entire year with no injuries, Maddie Lane is Wanye Morris the starter week one. I think that yes, he is going to start at right tackle week one. Um, I think, and I'm, I guess we should clarify this. I don't think he's beating out Jawan Taylor at right tackle. I think Jawan Taylor is going to end up taking the left tackle job as they get going through camp. I think Jawan Taylor will start as your left tackle. I think Wanye Morris will start as your right tackle, and I think you will see him in week one and the first part of the season get a lot of help. I think you will see them flood a lot of extra running backs, a lot of tight ends. They will do a lot of extra stuff over there to give him help to get his feet wet, but I am, at this point, I think he's going to show enough that the team will feel comfortable with him starting at right tackle, and then they can go back to what it, in a the plan that we all hoped that they wanted to go with, which was Jawan Taylor at left, a rookie at right tackle, what we all kind of thought they were angling for this offseason before the Donovan Smith signing, before the draft kind of took place. I think that's still where we end up. I think so too. I I do. And I think he's going to get every opportunity to win that gig, just like they did with Trey Smith, just like they did with Creed Humphrey. I mean, they, they want those rookies to earn it. They don't want to put it on a platter for those guys and say, Hey, it's yours. I think realistically, the only guy that's going to beat out Wanye Morris would be Lucas Niang. And it would be because Andy Heck says, Hey, listen, I know that I can trust him to be where I want him to be. I know that he's going to do the things that I, the way that I want him to, that keeps Jawan Taylor on the left side. It gives Wanye Morris a little bit of time. We have seen a mid-season replacement at some of these positions as guys get better and or guys you know struggle and you see guys get replaced in the lineup there. I could see that being the case, but I do think that Wanye Morris is going to get every opportunity to start at right tackle week one. I think they're going to give him opportunities. I don't know how many opportunities. I still kind of lean it's probably going to be Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. I, I'm kind of buying it right now. 
I kind of think, you know, maybe there's a, there's a lack of confidence in, in throwing a, a Lucas Deang or a Wanya Morris out there for a full sample size of a season. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Take a big ol' sip if you are so inclined. Uh, all those things help us grow KC Sports Network. So thank you to everyone that has ever hit the like and subscribe button. We genuinely appreciate that. And thank you for all the five stars yes. saying to hit the like and subscribe button. I've drank multiple times for each one of those. Not because I wanted to. Because you guys did that in the five stars, so keep doing that, and I will keep leaving those. And let us know what you think of the cheeseburger scale in those five star reviews. We need your feedback about yeah. the cheeseburger scale in the five star reviews, we especially need- since we haven't got any feedback whatsoever about the cheeseburger scale. Uh, just none whatsoever. All right, let's let's, let's out. Go. All right, Chamari Connor Craig. I'm gonna ask you about Chamari Connor. Day one role for Chamari Connor in the first week of the season. Teams. Lots of teams. I think that he's going to play special teams. I think he's going to be a four-phase special teamer. Um, I think we're going to see him plenty in camp. We're going to see him get plenty of reps in the slot and at safety, but I think realistically his week one role, he does not see the field on defense, but contributes in every single facet of special teams. I'm taking B.J. Thompson. B.J. Thompson, I think, is a healthy scratch week one of the 2023 season. Do not stop the show here. Uh, just wait. <laughs> just wait. This is not a lack of optimism for B.J. Thompson. I'm a very big believer in him and his abilities and his traits. I think it's going to be a big transition for him, especially as he tries to figure out and navigate what weight he's going to be playing at and the role that he will be playing that weight at. So I think there are plans for him. I think as the season comes on, there are good things ahead. We will get to that. 
But BJ Thompson, I believe, will be a healthy scratch. He will be on the active roster in week one. Uh, I think he'll be a healthy scratch the first week of the season. Maddie, I'm going to give you Keandre Coburn. Oh, okay. Well, he's going to play. Um, he's definitely going to play on the defensive side of the ball, which is, you know, the last two guys in the day three, the first two guys, these day three guys we talked about weren't there. The Chiefs are losing Colin Saunders snaps. Technically right now, they don't have Brandon Williams back either. I think they'll still sign a veteran defensive tackle, a veteran nose tackle. The depth they have on their depth chart, like on the roster currently, isn't that great. A Matt Dickerson, uh, Danny Shelton, like there's not a lot there. So I think they might still sign someone, but I think Coburn's going to see some reps. It's hard to tell how much if it's a good Derek Nottie year. If Derek Nottie can return to the what he was two, three years ago, it is going to be few and far between for Coburn to get snaps. Like, yes, he'll still rotate in. It just won't be a ton. If you get the Derek Nottie of last year, Coburn might find himself playing a lot of reps pretty early on uh, just because the Chiefs need competent nose tackle play next to Chris Jones, next to Tershawn Wharton when he's out there. And that's not something that Derek Nottie was consistently giving them. So Coburn might, you know, need a little bit of a learning curve going from college to the NFL, but it's a position I think you can make that transition pretty quickly. So I think he'll play early on. It's just, it's more up to how Derek Nottie plays because you don't get a ton of options for nose tackles. There's not a ton of reps available overall. So the percentage will still be low, but you're just trying to compare him to Nadi, and I think it all depends on how Nadi plays, not necessarily him. Craig, Nick Jones takes week one. Is he, is he on the active roster? Oof. He's got a really tough hill to climb to make the active roster there, especially with Shamari Connor taking another defensive back spot that can play the slot. So uh, it, it's really tough. I do think the coaching staff likes him. I think they like the way that he plays the ball in the air. They certainly like the fact that he blocks kicks on special teams really well, and he has a knack for that. It's teams if it's anything, but I'm going to say that he ends up on the practice squad week one with some special teams call-ups to come in the later seasons here. Can I ask a quick question here? I know we're trying to move through this, but if he is to make this roster, is he defensive back 11, or who's the other defensive back that he would make it over? That's a great question. Um, oh, man. Who would be the defensive back that he'd make it over? I don't know that he does enough on I defense give... to replace a Dion Bush. That, would that was my goal. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was saying. So what if it's a Dion Bush? Because Dion Bush had the ability the last two years to go hit free agency. Clearly, the market wasn't there. We've seen the Chiefs play the practice squad elevate kind of role. So what if to start the year, they give Nick Jones a spot, he Deion Bush as a practice squad player that's elevated. Like, I could see that being the route they go if they think other teams are sniffing around Nick Jones. Connor would technically provide you a fourth safety, which is all right. they carried last year, and then you'd have a six corners. I, should, I don't know if I would do it, but like I think that would be the path to making the active roster. Maybe Jose Johnson? Maybe but they like him too. Yeah. I think Dion Bush gets picked up by a team on a vet minimum deal to play special teams. I think it might have been with Dion Bush. He had the same offer from multiple teams and he wants to go win a ring. Yeah. That would be my guess. I think Dion Bush would find a role on an NFL team as a special teams player. Very well might too. Let's fast forward to week nine of the NFL season. And we are sitting here. They're about to take on the Miami Dolphins. The bye week's after that. No, and then they go straight from the bye week to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a tough place. It seems like, I always just add the caveat, it feels like the Chiefs kind of get uh, their, their rookies a little bit more involved after the bye week when it's later in the season. 
right out the gate after the bye week to the Eagles, that might be a tricky time to kind of try to add somebody uh, further into the mix. But we're going to look at week nine. They're going, they're going to Germany. They're playing the Miami Dolphins. What's Felix and UDK Uzama's role in week nine of the season? Matthew. So assuming no injuries, I, I don't know where he would start to pick up significant snaps over some other guys. Um, There is one path I'm going to talk about in a second. It's just the issue ahead of him is the guys are all competent players out of him. And the thing that is going to hold down Felix's snap count is just the size and getting used to playing the run from a wider technique or just improving as a run defender. And I don't know if I anticipate a huge jump in that from week one to week nine. So his limited snap counts is just kind of a situational pass rusher. I don't think is necessarily going to approve a ton from week one to week nine. The one avenue where I could see him getting an increase though is if the Chiefs interior pass rush outside of Chris Jones isn't there. And now all of a sudden Dana or Ominahue are starting to spend more and more time on the inside, more and more snaps rushing as a second three tech or just as a three tech next to Chris Jones, which is opening up another defensive end spot. So there could be a slight uptick in that if that's what the Chiefs are finding out that's their best way to get a pass rush on third down. So I do think that's possible, but I don't know if I see him by week nine really starting to eat into base down snaps, really starting to take snaps away from a Frank Clark, who I think we all were kind of projecting might be there, or a George Karloftis, or even a Mike Dana. I just don't see him really eating into their, those guys' base down reps by week nine. Especially since they all played the exact way that Steve Spagnolo and Joe Cullen want them to. Like, listen to Joe Cullen just gush about the way that they play the run and you'll see guys that he's going to play on base downs. I'm with Maddie there. I think it's sub-packages. Now, that being said, you're going against the Dolphins and their vertical offense and their pass-heavy script. Felix could be playing a lot more in that script. You want to get home quickly. You want to have, you know, Tua basically rattled as much as you can, you know, and the way to do that may be, hey, get your speed on the field early. So maybe that does mean Aminahue is playing a lot more three-tech that game. Maybe they have a little wider splits on the interior. They invite the run a little bit more. They don't worry about it as much because that's not where you're going to get killed by that team. So I can see a scenario where in week nine, very specifically, where you can come out there and say, hey, Felix got a ton of snaps and maybe even some production that really rattles to a and then to Kent's point, you're turning around after the bye and playing the Eagles, a run-heavy team, then you don't see as much Felix in that game. So maybe, you know, a little bit vice versa there where he hasn't claimed the role fully, but that sort of scenario makes a ton of sense for him to get a lot of snaps. I could see them being a little bit more intentional about getting him on the field a little bit more by then. Like, I could see them trying to say, hey, maybe we're going to give him a few more chances to try to play, you know, in some base downs. Uh, we're going to continue to utilize him as a situational pass rusher, but I don't think anybody should be discouraged. Like, I don't think he's going to have the same kind of snap volume as George Karloftis, and that's an expectation that no one should have, I don't think, and that's not a knock on the kid or his projection or his potential. It's just it's just the depth of the roster right now. Rashi Rice in week nine. What say you, Matthew? So here's things get real tricky. Uh, week nine, Kadarius Tony, if history tells us anything, will not be 100%. Come week nine. I'm, I'm not wishing an injury upon anybody. This is just what history tells us. He no will injuries. not probably be 100% by week nine. So what does that mean for Rishi Rice? He's obviously not going to jump directly into that role because they're entirely different players. 
I don't know if this means Sky Moore slides into that role and that opens up options for Rishi Rice. I don't know if it means a Richie James or somebody else takes that role. Like, I don't know exactly how the Chiefs are going to handle a Kadarius Tony injury because he's a player whose skill set you can't really easily match with players they have on the roster. So that being said, I think you get to week nine. If Kadarius Tony isn't 100%, you're dealing with a very unproven and very inconsistent wide receiver room. You might as well put the rookie out there and see what he can do. I think I think he might get more reps than a Sky Moore did around the same point in time. I actually Sky Moore picked up some reps around this time, midpoint of the season too, due to injuries, really. But I think you might see him just get thrown out there to the fire because they just need to see a body and they need to see what they have. They don't have a Juju Smith Schuster to be reliable. They don't have these players that have been in the system for multiple years now that know everything. So I think he might just pick up reps just based on somebody has to. Uh, so I can see his snap count kind of kind of peaking here or in the middle of the season. And then it's up to how he performs to see if he can carry that out through the end of the year. I think we might see about this time, the Chiefs try and yeah, they go into a little bit of a lull at times. And that's it. I don't mean that in a bad way, just as kind of like a, hey, we're going to dial back on the play calling a little bit before we unsheath it towards the end of the year. Now, all of a sudden, you've got you know, maybe a little more intermediate-focused game, shallow to intermediate game. So you want a guy out there that can go and win on a curl, you know, win at the sticks, try and just pick up, you know, seven, eight, nine yards, real, nothing big, nothing where you're trying to put the ball in his hands intentionally behind the line of scrimmage, having him go get yak in a way that a Kadarius Tony would be for this team, but have a guy kind of post up, shield a corner, get him on his back, win with the ball right there at the catch point. That's an easy mode way for this offense to operate in the middle of the season when they're just like, Hey, we don't want to show too much. People are starting to pick up with what we did at the beginning of the year. We know what we want to do at the end of the year. Let's just win with having our guys be a little bit better than their guys. That's about the time when you want Rasheed Rice to come in there, post up, win with ball control at the catch point, and just kind of do little things like that all the time. I think his volume picks up about this time of the year just because that tends to be when Andy Reid and company dial that back into the more basics. I think that's where he can really win in this offense. All right. Chiefs are lining up in 11 personnel week one, Maddie. Who's their X receiver? It's not Travis Kelsey. In week one? Oh, it's in VS. Okay. I I think there might be a route to take a little bit of MVS's uh, snaps away from him and, and put him on the line as an X receiver. Now, they're going to protect him a little bit if they're doing that, and it's not going to be your true three-by-one, backside X on the line of scrimmage. It'll be reduced split, tight, condensed stuff. You know, you're going to you're hoping to see a lot of zone coverage, so you're going to have some natural leverage outside of them. I could see maybe him eating in a little bit to MBS's role, uh, route, a little, opportunities a little bit. I'm going to say Rashi Rice is in the 40-ish percentile, 40-ish percent range, 45% range of snaps by week nine of the NFL season. Let's say he's going to be consistently there. Okay. Oh, I could see that. I could see that. I, about week 11 last year, MBS, 57% of the offensive snaps, 56, 51, 53, 43. Mm. Like his usage definitely decreased towards the end of the year. Then they ramped it back up again for the, very in well, they there. didn't. The, they did the as he did. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, he was. He was one hundred percent. When you need to get, when you need to get Justin Watson on the field, it doesn't matter who has to come off. 
I'm just saying, uh, like they they showed a propensity last year to just be, and there were guys that were injured in that stretch. It's not like they had a full complement of wide receivers right there. They they've shown a propensity to maybe say, okay, we're gonna back off the MVS about the middle of the year, and eh, there we go. I've shown a propensity to have terrible transitions into breaks. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Appreciate everybody hanging out. We talked a little bit about Wanya Morris off the top. I think that's about all that needs to be said about him. Craig Stout, real quick, what's Shamari Connor's role week nine of the 2023 NFL season? I think we're going to see him start to rotate in in the dime towards the middle and into the back half of the season. He's a hell of a blitzer, and we know how Steve Spagnuolo wants to use those guys in the slot to be more blitzing players there. So you get in the dime, you get a team that maybe wants to play a little more empty, like the Dolphins do, and you've got a guy that can kick out in the slot, still cover down on a tight end just fine, you know, well enough there, but is going to be a force as a blitzer, along with Legereus Sneed. That makes it very difficult to know where things are coming from. All it takes is one performance as a really good blitzer for Steve Spagnuolo to be like, okay, that guy's in my dime from now on, and I think that this could be the week or maybe the week before this where we start seeing Shamari Connor in that role. BJ Thompson. I don't think he's quite cracked the rotation yet by week nine. I don't think he is. I think he's still a healthy scratch by week nine. Again, we'll get there. I think there's, I think there could be some opportunities late in the year, but we'll get to that game. when we, when we, we'll get to that, op, yeah, that moment when we can. Keandre Coburn week nine, Matthew, where, what are we looking at? He's similar to Wanya Morris. I think it's it's kind of set in stone. Without injuries, I I don't think he's going to completely unseat Derek Nadi as the starting nose tackle, but he's going to be a guy that's in there vying for reps. And even if they bring in another guy, he's still going to be vying for reps because I do believe he is their, you know, their, right now one of their top two guys at stuffing the run. Even if you bring in a veteran, he's still going to be one of the top three, and that's going to get you a lot of run. Look at, you know, how Brandon Williams, Colin Saunders, and Nadi were all used last year. So I think he'll get there. I think by the midpoint of the season, I think you might get a small uptick. It might be getting a little bit closer to 50-50 between him and Derek Nottie because I just don't like the the direction that Derek Nottie has been trending the last two years when he's out there. The Chiefs clearly still like some of what he's doing, and I don't think that he's you know a completely 
untalented player. I think Craig and I were really big on how good he was a few years ago. It's just there has been something a little something has been lost since then, whether it's a little bit of explosion dealing with some hip and some foot or ankle injuries or just something has been lost there. And he doesn't play through a single blocker quite as well as he used to. And I think that's kind of holding him back. But that opens the door for Coburn to get more snaps come the midpoint of the year. All right, uh, Matthew, I'm going to ask you about Nick Jones in week nine. Where is he at? Is he on the roster? I think he's been poached by another team off of the Chiefs practice squad. I think another team has signed him off of their practice squad to get him. It's unfortunate. I think that there's enough talent there given his age and the length of the arm. Some team that really likes press coverage corners will come snag him up. That's why I think the Chiefs might try to protect him to start the year. I get what you're saying that Deion Bush might also get snagged off the practice squad. I get it. So maybe it's into Z Johnson because maybe he wasn't as highly thought of last year. Maybe he is not signed immediately to go be a special teamer for another team. Just they might have to protect Nick Jones to start the year, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But if he's on the practice squad, and I think he might be, I think he gets poached. So if he's on the practice squad, how many times does he get called up for special teams duties before he's poached? I don't think they call him up at all because that brings more attention to him. Okay. Fair. No, that's very fair. We've seen him protect guys in the past. And, yeah. And, and, and I will, special team stuff isn't all about being an elite athlete, but when you're talking, when I'm trying to. Think about converting a college player who is a corner that didn't even play full-time on the defense. It kind of was rotating in and out of there as a corner to a special teamer. I'd feel a lot better if he was an elite athlete than if he was just this okay to slightly above average athlete. So I don't even know if he is going to step on the field and be a good special teamer week one. So are, what's the point of elevating a guy that might not even be a great special teamer? Still thinking about Maddie's pronunciation of the word rotating. Uh, I, I will say Nazi Johnson is going to be 25 before the season starts. Happy birthday, Nazi Johnson in two months, his 25th birthday. So on the older side, Nick Jones, younger side. So one feedback. Wishing him a happy birthday in the most backhanded. You are not worthy. Right? I'm going, I'm 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 moving right past that that shade the kids throw in there. Two months, you're going to be so old. Hey. <laughs> Juju's age. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, my, I mean, that's not happy birthday, Nazi. I hope you have a good day, buddy. <laughs> You're listening to this. You're one. Tier one C bat. Oh, oh man. Uh, all right. Let's let's go look. Let's go fast forward to week eighteen. The game matters. This isn't. Oh, they're all playing because the Chargers game won't matter. <laughs> no. We're looking at the roles of these guys building into the off season, building into you know. Uh, the 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 time of year that matters. Felix DK Uzama has his role changed at all by week eighteen? Do we still kind of see as they're getting ready for the postseason? Do we kind of still see like that same role for him that he's had the entirety of the year, Maddie? Um, no, it's the same role. I think maybe you had a good point there. In the middle of the year, they might try to force him into some reps just to eat up snaps and save some guys. But when it's time to turn it on, um, the Chiefs go with the the veterans. The Chiefs go back to the guys that they trust the most and play the most. You can look at George Carl off this last year. Now, I know there was injuries that played a role, but he was up in the 870s and 80% through about the midpoint of the year, and then it just kind of steadily declined, and he ended the year playing under 60% of the snaps the last three games, and that kind of carried over into the playoffs a little bit. So if they do have these veteran presence, you know, if Frank Clark comes back, and you trust Ominihue, and you trust second-year Carl Loftus and Mike Dana, Felix might actually get 
less snaps. It might purely be entirely as just a pass rush specialist. I mean, just complete third and long type of player. And that, again, doesn't say anything bad about him as a player. It's just, this is the way the Chiefs operate. You've got to be able to play the run first. You've got to be able to follow the assignments that defensive coaching staff has to trust you to do it. And it doesn't mean you're a bad player. It's just, that's been their trend. They rely on their veterans, guys that know the system come crunch time. And if that's what we're talking about in a must-win game, I think he might see a slight regression to his snaps closer to what we think it probably starts the year as. And polar opposite, uh, or not polar opposite, but kind of going along with what Maddie talked about George Carl Office. I'm not sure why I dove in with polar opposite, just because I wanted to say that. I think his production is in an uptick, even with those reduced snaps, much like George Carl Office's was, where you were starting to see everything kind of get put together, working with Joe Cullen, taking those steps forward with the veterans in their room and recognizing what they need to do a little bit more. Felix's football character is ridiculously high. I fully believe that he's going to be able to translate that and he's going to pick stuff up. And when he starts picking it up, look out, because I do think he's a very dangerous pass rusher. So I can see him there at the end of the year not playing as much, playing just in the dime, being a guy where you're just pinning your ear, ears back and saying, hey, go win, but doing that, do, you know, winning in those roles, coming up with pressures, coming up with sacks, his impact will be more, but his snap count might be less. And going into the playoffs, that's exactly what you want. It's where you want your comfortability with a young player to be. It's what they did with George Karloffis last year. I fully expect the same things to happen with Felix next year. Then you're turning around in year two and you're saying, all right, we feel really good about the baseline with what we got on these guys. Let's build on it. All right, Rashi Rice, week 18 and, and heading into the postseason. Same role, Matthew. Do you think there's some growth there? What do you think? So I think I said like around the midpoint of the year, he might get an opportunity just because they need someone to do it. And it's that point of the year where we see the Chiefs try some different stuff. I think Sky Moore got that last year, and we saw some ups and downs with it, and it led to him getting a decreased role afterwards. I think Rice might maintain that role, if not see an uptick going on from there, because I think his what he does specifically is so different than everybody else. That is entirely why. So you get to this midpoint of the year, the Chiefs have nobody that's going to reliably beat zone right now. Like, that's not the players they have on their roster. The guys they have on their roster are man beaters, and then Travis Kelsey does everything, but that's like their only zone-beating weapon. They used Juju Smith-Schuster in that role last year. He's gone. So come midpoint of the year, Rasheed Rice gets an uptick in snap counts just because they're trying to figure stuff out. Maybe there's some injuries. Design touches to create some yak, getting him some contested catch opportunities where you're just putting his best traits on display. And now, oh yeah, by the way, we need someone that can maybe find open spots and zones and feels comfortable doing the dirty work. He's a guy that can do all that. So I'm not even saying it's going to be the most efficient snaps. I'm not saying it's going to be the most efficient, the best snaps you can see out of a wide receiver, but he's going to get them. He's going to get them. He's going to go out there. And I think he maintains that from the midpoint on, and he might even see more and more as the snaps go on. And that doesn't mean he's better than Sky Moore, who did not get that last year. It's just, I think it's a role-specific thing. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It, to Kent's point earlier with Rasheed Rice, coming out of the slot in those condensed formations, forcing, you know, Either, hey, you're going to put a linebacker on me or you're going to play zone to try and, you know, kind of contain me a little bit more. He's going to thrive in both of those scenarios. And I can see Andy Reid weaponizing him, especially on for, on early downs when the teams are playing a little heavier, trying to trigger on the run a little bit more, opening up that space a little bit and having him run through a safety 
gained a little bit extra yards and then getting into the red zone. We've talked about how, you know, when they drafted Rasheed Rice, we talked about how they've relied so much on that horizontal stretch from McCole Hardman, from Tyree Kill, from Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore there in the Super Bowl, how you needed that guy to kind of stretch the full width of the field. Now you've got your red zone target down there as well. They picked up on that last year, started using it a little bit more. I think he is a red zone machine towards the end of the year, and he's contributing on early downs in between the 20s there. I think he turns into a very valuable target for Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes already loves him in that regard. So I think that that's going to be something that as he sees the field, Mahomes is going to be very, you know, make a concerted effort to get him the ball, get him in those situations where he knows he can thrive. And I think that Andy will see that as well. I hold some belief that situationally, body type, skill set wise, I think there is a role for Rashi Rice somewhere in the offense as the season progresses in a big, big way. Uh, big, well, not like ginormous, but like in a substantial way where you're excited about the outlook of him moving forward and his his production in 2020, uh, 2023. I think he's going to have a more statistically productive season than Sky Moore when it's all said and done. Now, I don't think that was a huge bar to clear necessarily. Not It's not knocking Sky. Again, some situational stuff. I do think situationally he's, even though it's a deep roster of receivers where the Chiefs have thrown numbers at the position and let a lot of guys get some opportunities to play, I think it's the same thing as this year, but I think Rasheed Rice's specific skill set and the need for it will allow him to get some opportunities and and have some production as the season goes on. So I don't know if it's going to be a giant uptick from week 9 to week 18 in snap count, but I do think the production opportunity, trust, all that stuff will continue to grow and build to a point where he will play meaningful snaps in the playoffs. So I think that's kind of the projection for me for Rashi Rice. Um, real quick on Wanda Morris, just circling back. Maddie Lane, are you worried about Wanda Morris in week 18 in the playoffs when it when it comes to it? Or do you feel good about it? Let's just let's forecast, let's project. How do you feel about Wanya Morris in week 18 of the season when it's all said and done? Well, sure. I mean, we have 18 weeks to figure it out and see what he's doing. And is there more help that's needed? Is there not any help that's needed? We, You guys mentioned, I forget who it was at the beginning of the show. It might have been Craig, that they wouldn't see if the season started with um, Jawan Taylor on the right side and Donovan Smith on the left side. It wouldn't That switch wouldn't be made in the middle of the year to change Jawan Taylor's side, then to insert Wanya Morris after week one. He's either starting week one or he's not. Tell you what they can do, though, mid-year. They can repull. Wanya Morris out if it's going terribly move Jawan Taylor back to the right side because he's played it his entire career and insert Donovan Smith so I don't think that if you start Wanya Morris week one that that's a locked in all year I don't I think you do have options from that point to revert back to what is going to be you know probably a safer offensive line I don't think we'll get there we've seen the Chiefs work around poor offensive line play everybody likes to talk about how Patrick Holmes can make any wide receiver better so why do they need good wide receivers like, yeah, theoretically, that's a thing he can do. You know what he has done, though? Make okay offensive linemen look pretty good. So, like, I, as long as you're just not a complete, you know, just a complete turnstile at offensive tackle, like they were in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he can make offensive tackles look pretty good. So I'm not overly concerned about Wanya Morris if the Chiefs run him out there. If he's out there, I feel confident they have a plan to make him be competent 
If not, if they don't believe they can make him play confident, then I think he probably gets benched and Jawan Taylor goes back to the right side at some point in time throughout the year. Craig, Jamari Connor. What's Jamari Connor. Like? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it looks pretty similar to how I said it looks, you know, about week nine. I think that he is a dime only guy, a special teamer, but a guy that they feel pretty confident in, you know, that they can trot him out there and use that. That would be taking like a Mike Edwards, you know, position on, on that dime defense. We saw last year, you know, Lonnie Johnson, DeAndre Baker, guys that we were just like, hey, those are really good swings at the position that are going to be third safeties, third corners, whoever it is, we feel comfortable with these vets and they don't make it out of camp because a young guy comes and takes their spot. I could see that happening with this team about midseason for a player like that and just trust him that he's going to be more of a blitzer, box guy with a little more versatility. So I think it's the same as week nine, but a very important role nonetheless. Maddie, who are the two biggest threats to the Chiefs in the AFC? Oh, the Buffalo Bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Prodigals. False, but okay. Continue. Yeah. I should ask. Did you see the headband today? I I think Maddie's right. Yeah. Oh, boy. He can't. People people posted that like it was a good look. (laughs) He looks like like the kid in Cobra Kai. Um, okay. I, I think the two biggest threats to the chiefs are the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. And I think both of those teams have a left tackle that is susceptible to speed up the arc, turning a corner and beating them out of their break or out of their stand. I think BJ Thompson, watching him play at the shrine bowl heavier, heavier for the first time in his NFL or his football career had rare burst and bend that can really cause slower-footed offensive tackles problems. I think I don't think B.J. Thompson's role is going to be particularly big in year one. I think there will be an opportunity late in the season as the season progresses, as he's got more time with Joe Cullen, he's got comfortable with the weight that they're going to want him to play at, or whatever weight they decide to play him at in year one, that there is a potential for him to create some problems up the arc in obvious passing downs. I think it's a very defined specific role. And I think it's still, even though it's, hey, just go be a freak athlete up the arc, I still think it'll probably take a little bit of time for him to help get him comfortable and get him there. I think he could be a potential weapon in the playoffs for some of these guys. Maybe not year one. It may not be year one when it's all said and done, but boy, having that speed rusher up the arc with that kind of burst could really screw with some teams with some slow-footed tackles. My question to you, and this is where I I believe in B.J. Thompson. I'm really excited about him. I'm very optimistic about him. Can the Chiefs, I'm going to ask you, Craig, we talked about what Felix Anidike Uzama's role is in year one. How do he and B.J. Thompson coexist on the field, on the active roster. That's where it gets tricky. Because I I think B.J. Thompson has an ability to create some some problems for some team. And it could be as early as this year. I just don't know if there's... I I, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to take a little bit of gymnastics to make it work on the active roster, I think. 
I yeah yeah th- that's what I was gonna cut in when you were done with your spiel and say how many defensive linemen is, is this team keeping against the the Cincinnati Prodigals in the AFC Championship? Right, like it's it's tough to do that, especially at to Maddie's point, they love to keep veterans. They love to put veterans on the field. You know, I look at that offensive line and I say, boy, it would be really nice for Felix and Aduke Uzama coming off of one edge, B.J. Thompson coming off the other edge, Charles O'Minahue and Chris Jones on the interior. That's a lot of quick wins, potential quick wins from that set of people. It's also not particularly great against the run. You're going to get steamrolled, so that's a dime only, a pass situation only roll. How many reps are you going to get in against the Bengals where you're going to believe that you are going to be in a pass only situation. It's it, it it hasn't been a ton. And so are you bringing them up? Are you keeping them on the active roster for four or five snaps? That's that's the question. And I, well, Matt, Matty, go. I, I, cause I have some follow ups to this because we haven't spent a lot of time on BJ Thompson, but there's a couple yeah, things I want right. to talk about. What do you go, Matty? I just, yeah, I mean, I wanted to get it to say this quickly too. I, I agree with the concept that BJ Thompson is incredibly intriguing and his type of rush profile is what had gives some of the offensive tackles the Chiefs are going to play some trouble. I would also say that Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are quarterbacks that aren't terrible at handling speed rush. Um, You can't run 10 yards deep and get to Joe Burrow. You have to be able to really cut that angle. He's a guy that's okay in the pocket. So I don't even know if stylistically that makes sense. And then to take it like the next step, I think BJ Thompson might be just a full year away because yeah, he has that athleticism to get up the arc, but you still got to have the size, strength, and technique to turn it inside. You can't just outrun NFL players frequently. You even go back to Orlando Brown, the games he struggled against speed rushers the most. It's still guys that have either the ability to win both inside and outside on any given play, or it's Yannick Ngakwe who has arguably the best like cross chop, like the most technical cross chop in the entire NFL. He's not just getting purely run by by a you know a guy that only has the speed rush right now, and I think that's where B.J. Thompson would be in year one. So I just I think it would be really hard to justify a full on roster spot for like we're talking about five six snaps absolute tops, and even then I don't know if he's going to be effective on those particular reps. I think there's a these this is the dilemma for him where I think that there is a defined role for him coming. It's just a matter of when. And I think it could be a role this year. And I think there probably will be a time where B.J. Thompson's going to get some opportunities in 2023. His, I'm a big, firm believer in him. I, It could be as early as this year. One thing, his, this this is where I wanted to go with this real quick because I don't want to spend like a too much more time on B.J. But I look at, like, Frank Clark's not on chief yet. And, you know, they're about changes to... Go- a lot. Changes a lot. If he's not... A- it does. No, it, it changes really does. a... Everything we've talked about could potentially change. Felix and DK Uzama's role changes a little bit. BJ Thompson's role potentially changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's... It's it's interesting to me that he's not a chief yet. I still think there's a good chance he's a chief. If he's not a chief, that means that they really like what they've seen out of FAU and BJ Thompson. Uh, I think. So that's something I'm paying attention to if he's sitting out there and he's still not a chief after a little bit of time. Shamari Connor, Craig. 
Oh, wait, where did we are covered? Yeah, sorry. I met Keandre Coburn, Maddie. Um, same thing. I would say, like I said earlier, the Chiefs do have a tendency to go back to their vets. So even if you look in the playoffs, I feel like Brandon Williams' snaps kind of peaked in the regular season and then drifted back down a little bit in the playoffs for Saunders, for Derek Nottie, who they had a little bit more familiarity with. Um, so maybe there's a chance that come playoff time, Coburn snaps slipped back down just a little bit. But at the end of the day, like I think he's directly competing with Derek Nadi. Whoever's playing better probably gets that lion's share there. And I would there's no reason for me right now to believe that Derek Nadi is going to significantly outplay him. I think what Coburn can do with his athleticism and his first step probably could earn him actually that kind of first role there. Um, even come playoff time for a team that usually trusts veterans. And we unfortunately ended Nick Jones' time in Kansas City. Oh, <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so, so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Don't sleep on Truman Jones. He's getting more reps than BJ Thompson. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.